This is a Momentum Media production. Investing insights with Right Property Group. Exploring trends in real estate and helping property investors gain financial security. G'day, how are you going? Phil Tarrant, co-host of Investing Insights of Right Property Group, joined by directors of Right Property Group, Stephen Waters and Victor Kumar. Gentlemen, how are you going on this beautiful spring day? Here we are, spring selling season. It's all going crazy. Bit of spring selling season and some mobility. Yeah. You know, you know, Steve, every time he starts off with Stephen, we know that there's a big sledge coming some, somewhere in the podcast. Yeah, he's, he's lining it somewhere, but it's, um, we're aware of it. That, see, so we're on the front foot. We're aware of it, Victor. Well, our, our listeners right now can't actually see us. You're listening to us and, and welcome everyone. But I, I just, Victor, want to pick up Stephen's uh, hand positioning at the moment. I think that's actually <laughs> quite. <laughs> it's, it's strictly for the birds, you know. <laughs> See that? Big, it's just an insight. That's his tell. That's his tell. You know, you know exactly where he's mentally positioned at the moment. He's, he's he's getting fired up. He's a bit aggressive, no doubt, because of this property market we're in now. Gentlemen, quick summary. We haven't spoken on air for a month, and and for everyone, we are now. This is now episode fifty nine. Season five of Investing Insights Right Property Group. So for nearly five years, we've been going deep into property and property investment and how you can actually do what you do better. Uh, you probably all know that I've lent on these guys for many years to support the portfolio creation within Smart Property Investment, and we still get a kick out of talking about it. You can tune in uh, if you want um, to myself and Steve. We'll be having a chat in about a week's time on the Smart Property Investment Show about our portfolio. So go and have a look at it. But one month, let's do a quick summary. Number one, new premier. Number two, mm. New South Wales is out of lockdown and accelerating quickly. We've hit 80% vaccination rates, accelerating quickly to full freedoms. Number three, international travel to start without quarantining in New South Wales uh, within a month. Uh, number four, uh, we have a new security arrangement and agreement and we're getting nuclear-powered submarines. Uh, number five, Victoria, the most lockdown place on earth through COVID-19, still getting a huge amount of cases. Next point, uh, looks like we'll be able to travel to Brisbane for Christmas. Um, the Premier Palaszczuk out there has told us it's all happening. What? You know, that's 30 days since we last spoke and, and look at the shift and change. Uh, another point, property markets are open. You now go into an open home. You can actually go and touch and feel the property. Auctions in person are happening hold on, this is where we are right now. We're ex- rapidly accelerating to getting back to some level of normal. But is this market, Victor, this property market, Victor, in any way is a normal market right now? I, I don't think so. First of all, the goal, goalposts keep shifting and the FOMO effect is very much there, right? So as we get these um, so-called freedom, you know, people are rushing in to buy. There's a lot more people that are coinciding with the spring selling season in inverted commas. They're looking at putting their properties in the market. So it's it's for most that are prepared as business as usual. But for the people that have been sitting on the sidelines to say, look, I want to touch and feel, I need to visit the property physically, personally, uh, rather than trusting a professional, it's open season for them to buy, right? And, and therein lies some of the problem where we are likely to see not a COVID spike, but a COVID-induced price spike as we get our freedom back. Are you feeling freer, Vicky? You sort of you're in one of those LGAs or locked up. Um, 
uh, yeah, isolated from the world. Are, are you being out and about? Have you walked into a property yet? Have you looked at a property or are you now an armchair uh, realestate.com.au warrior and, and doesn't leave the uh, the comforts of his plush uh, Chesterfield? I, 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 I maintain my silence on that on um, account that it may incriminate me. Read what you will on that one. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think the Bentley's wheels have turned a full rotation <laughs> in six months. <laughs> you just see him sitting in his garage with the pedal down, just getting the engine rolling over like a Ferris Bueller's day off in reverse, yeah, yeah, trying yeah. to take K's off the. Uh, <laughs> take K's off. <laughs> but what a Steve, like, you know, what a topsy turvy market we're in right now. Like, have you ever seen anything like this before? This is, must be completely unique, or you're going to go, all the clues are there. We've been here before, it's just different environment. You, you actually missed off another piece of sort of the last month, I think it was anyways, with VAPRA's uh, announcement. Yeah, yeah um, Have I seen this before? Like I I know that the media and the data houses are saying this is the you know, most accelerated rate of growth that we've had. But as I've said on a few occasions, I had properties double in 12 months back in the in the early 2000s, like 2000, 2001 or something From like, like that. From like 100 to 200 grand in Western Suburbs of Sydney. Exactly, yeah. 105 to 210 on the dot on the day. Um, but, yeah, that wasn't the whole of Sydney. That was just a localised area, to be fair. It's not a crazy market. And if you go back to our podcasts well before COVID started, we actually talked about way back then that there were areas of Australia that were undersupplied or going the pipeline was empty and that there would be an undersupplied moment, you know, inflection point in the future. It's just that COVID has brought it forward. And here we are today. I think, though, with people's inability to move around, which has put time on their hands to to rethink their life, to rethink their retirement, to rethink their whatever they're doing in life, and how just how insecure you know, life is around employment, people are trying to give themselves a chance for the future. Should something like this happen again? But in terms of the crisis itself, there's every few years there's a crisis. It just wears a different hat. To be fair, though, not quite as big as this, but there's always something that will, every now and again, that will activate markets or deactivate markets, put people to the sidelines or bring them in to play the game, so to speak, and we're just in that now. So was it obvious that this was going to happen? Well, no, COVID wasn't. But for me, the result was. And perhaps not. Why? Sorry, perhaps not to the level percentage growth numbers, but the general trajectory, absolutely. Yeah, and and COVID by no means is over. We still have quite a long way to go as a nation to navigate out of COVID-19. There's still all the economic implications and ramifications of that, Victor. But but sort of philosophically, how are you approaching supporting your clients moving into a brave new world, considering the the shadow that will be cast by COVID? You go back to the GFC and uh, we Everyone spoke about a few years subsequent to it and the impacts of it. How long is there going to be this sort of COVID complexity shaping the way in which Australians invest in property? Okay. We can take lessons from the past, right? So we can take lessons from the GFC and immediately after as we came out of the GFC, people will uh, quite a bit like pull at the gates, buying properties left, right and centre because finance freed up and all that. And this is where a lot of people did get financially hurt uh, in an environment where you shouldn't have been financially hurt. The reason being that they were chasing the quick dollar and uh, not addressing the true fundamentals of property investing. And 
going and jumping into areas where there was media-focused growth or media-heightened growth in that sense. And the same is likely to happen with as we emerge out of, out of COVID. A couple of things that, that we're, uh, we need to keep in mind. One is obviously everyone's doing their sums right now at the, in, at the current interest rates. And we know for a fact that the interest rates, this has been the lowest it's ever been. And as part of your normal finance cycle within your portfolio, uh, you go from interest only to the interest only period ending and going to your standard variable rates as part of your mortgage setup. And this is something that if you're absolutely redlining yourself in terms of your borrowing limits right now and um, uh, not taking into account that lending is changing and it will change, and you will uh, turn from interest only to principal and interest, and therefore your payments would also increase as well. It can hurt you in the medium to longer term as that happens. So it's important that we take that into account and not be over-exuberant in terms of accumulating multiples of properties without doing those sums first. I think that's a really good point. I'd also add that yeah, if you're at circa 3% today and, and yeah, you're doing those numbers at 3%. If you get caught at 4% within 12 months, when well, then something's dramatically gone wrong in your ability to monitor your own situation and your portfolios. Yeah, there are plenty of mechanisms and indicators out there that will show us what rates are doing to some degrees, but we've also got the ability to fix them for up to five years. So whilst you know, doing your numbers based on the lowest rate possible as a point of survival is crazy, there's also an element of you know, being too negative in your own capability and situation if you're always predicting them at five yeah. and modelling out at five. You know, I know people say, well, look, you know, the statistical average you know, is 5%. It's a different world today, massively different. And we, you know, we had a massive high in there as well at 17 and 20% that dragged that average up. And so too will today's long term of low rates that will drag that average down. So be aware and monitor. Just picture, and I think you're talking like 1992 time, Steve, when interest rates were, were up at 17%. Like, mm. just think back to that. You know, it's madness. Like, will it ever happen again? Will you ever have 17% interest rates? I know the Prime Minister at the time was livid about it. He said it was structural deficiencies mm. which pumped that up. Um, and he'll remember, I think it was Keating, for being the custodian of those ridiculous mm. high interest rates. Mm. And is that ever going to happen again? Like, maybe. Look, I don't think I don't think anybody knows the answer to that. And I think mm. if you lined up five economists today, they'd all duck and weave that question. Well, the five economists, the same ones that said probably was going to drop by 25 to 30% when COVID first hit, right? So it's like the weather. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Look, whether it happened or not, we've got to complete, if you compare back then to today, we've got a, almost a different banking system. We have different products. Uh, mm. yeah, think about it. Think about an offset as an example. Uh, I don't. Even, I don't think the low doc loan even existed back then as as well, which probably accentuated you know, growth. Low, low doc started coming in really late nineties, right? With your peppers and your um, bluestones were really pioneers right. mm. in that. Yeah, yeah. So look, I think the future, whilst it's uncertain in terms of interest rates and the, the global economies, because as you say, we're going to have COVID for quite some time. It's just mm. a, it's a living with it scenario and we can Australia can look at other countries that are doing so and how they're adapting and and surviving uh, I think our vaccination rates is really a, 
a reaction to being locked down. Australians, well, no one likes to be locked down, but you know, the carrot was there. Get yourself vaccinated and we'll have some And we moved quickly once we actually got around to it. You think back to Correct. early days in this sort of second round of the pandemic that was slow to yeah. uptake, but, you know, we needed that catalyst. But, you know, you, you spoke, Stephen, you mentioned, I, and I left it out of my initial sort of brief, um, policy intervention with APRA and, and, and you know, you should be self-assessing, and I, I talk about this a lot, should be self-assessing at 5.56%. Uh, just because the bank's happy to give you a mortgage at high twos or low threes doesn't necessarily mean that that's where your assessment level should be. So uh, obviously the banks uh, think that people aren't doing that themselves, so um, so APRA's coming yeah, in we'll, we'll do the it for to you. jack it up. Yeah. Yeah, and look, as we've mentioned before, there's, there's two types of affordability. One is what the bank tells you you can afford, and the second is what you know you really can afford. And that could be either north or south of what the bank is is telling you. So to always be redlining it, as Victor put it earlier on, you know, that's just suicidal. Even if rates don't go up, you know, there might be something in your life that it triggers the same event, so to speak, or the same repercussion. So loading the rates up somewhat, I think, is important but also not being to the point of stupidity either way. You know, yeah. There is talk of rates going to zero. There are talk of rates going to 5%. You know, if, inflation, if we get inflation and you know, some are talking hyperinflation, well, then your rates are going to go up. But you know, there's other ramifications, good and bad, to that as well. So one of the, one of the byproducts of, of COVID with people working from home is uh, people assessing their household expenditure. Now, obviously, home deliveries and then um, you know, uh, food delivery has gone up. But there's a lot of discretionary spending that people have been starting to question. And, and the flow-on effect of this is that, as is, um, a takeaway from what Steve just said, we need to know our household budgets. And more so than ever, we need to know how much we can afford in terms of discretionary spending towards investing and discretionary spending towards life. And we need to work that out really, really to the last cent um, so that when these rates do come in uh, at the at the high amount or when the re- credit restrictions do kick in, we're not left out on a limb. Uh, and equally importantly, uh, I think one of the things that we need to be looking at within the portfolio is with the way that rents are moving, you need to always challenge your property manager to say, okay, if, if they're saying, I'll give an example in my portfolio, right? So, um, uh, a fortnight ago, I got a, one of the property managers um, email that automated email to me saying that, you know, your lease is about to expire. Uh, we suggest uh, we renew the lease at the same amount. And I actually jumped online uh, and could see that I, I'd certainly be the cheapest around, one of the cheapest. So, I pushed back and I said, well, I want an increase of $20. And lo and behold, we got an increase of $20. So these are housekeeping things as investors that we need to continue doing. And just because we get freedom, we don't need, you know, we don't want to move away from the general housekeeping of investing. That's a good point, Vic. Too many times people are concentrating on expenditure only and forgetting about the income side of things, which yes. is you know, clearly our rents and the like. The other thing which I find interesting, not that this is a an economics podcast, but here's something to think about for the future. So clearly over the last two years, we've had no international travel. We've been locked at home. So the cars haven't been moving. The fuel hasn't been consumed. The wear and tear on the vehicles, the discretionary spending by going out to the restaurants, the movies, to Queensland, to Tassie, you know, wherever it may be. So people's expenditure for the most has reduced, which in term has built up 
savings and offset facilities and what have you. So when they're going for a loan and the, the banks are assessing, there's not a lot of outgoings. You know, it's more about savings, which the banks like. What happens when we get the mobility and people start to travel, consume, e-tolls, fuel, cars, registration, travel, everything else that goes along with it that takes from the household budget, will we see in combination with APRA's half a percent, potentially another half a percent in the foreseeable future, that in combination should, will reduce people's capacity to borrow. And that's when you'll start to see the shallowing off of the growth rate of properties. And the other question, this one's for you, Phil. I'm going to turn the tables. I'll be the journo and, and, you know, and ask you the question. questions. You know, I know you should have, if only everyone could have seen your face and it was just like, just well, I, wasn't paying, I wasn't paying attention, but no, I am now. Mate, people are going to find out, people are going to find out, Steve, that I don't know what I'm talking about. Just be, be <laughs> Do you know This is how bad a journal I would make. I just forgot what I was going to ask. There you go. You uh, see what I did there? <laughs> I know you did well. <laughs> the old, the old left field bamboozle, mate. Oh my God. Uh, you did. You did left, right. Got it. Me. No, yes, yep. no. no I've got, I haven't got question about. There goes, uh, there goes my attention span. Wow. There you go. Know, it's pretty. Well, it's let's, pretty... Let's, let's stick in our lanes, gents, because uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't uh, purport to to knowing anything about property. I'm just, I'm told adequate at talking to people about property, and we've been doing this now for five years. So something's going right. And uh, I check out the um the stats and the rankings on on this podcast and Apple. It's always good to see. Thanks so much, everyone, for that feedback coming in. It's, you know, we, we do this once a month, so it's good to know it's resonating with you all out there. Tell your friends about it as well. It's a good way to actually, whether you're new to investing or you're looking to recalibrate, just, just check in once a month with this and uh, might make you reflect and, and analyze or interpret where you're going in your property journey. Um, better be if you can leave a review for us, we get a real kick out of it. It's just not us here. We've got a great team who make us sound good and do all this sub editing and stuff. Make Steve sound especially good, um, particular. Anyway, you got that question yet? I've just stalled for you. I've let you think. No? No, I should be no. listening. All right. Well, I'm actually going to speak to someone who what actually knows our property, Victor Kumar, <laughs> the king of Campbelltown. And I remember Victor. I like a story. One of my first memories of investing is in property is meeting you on the high street of Campbelltown out That's in it. front of Rashi's. Uh, mm-hmm. And and we we drove around and and checking out like this is old green as green as grass right um just going whoa what's what's all this about really is that how it works wow this is sort of crazy stuff and I oh, thank you um uh, for for that uh, intro but you know introducing me to this great world that is property but um let's actually talk about probably what's going on because that's what people want to know and and I think sort of contextually we're in this sort of market in flux you're getting policy intervention we're getting the fact that. To the point, there is um, family balance sheets are as good as what they ever have been. Borrowing capacity, probably at the saving side, um, you could probably present a better position or picture to the banks in lockstep with them trying to uh, slow down uh, lending. What's going on with the markets? I want to do a quick sort of let's see what's happening across Australia in those key markets, and we'll, we'll stick to capital cities. But at the top end of it, metro versus rural or regional, Victor, give me some sense to this sort of is there a two-speed market? Or are all sort of the tide lifting all boats uh, right across Australia? At the moment, the tide's lifting all boats. Yeah, and, and that's largely because people are, first of all, looking for lifestyle and they're moving homes, but also investing-wise, if they can't get a foot in because of how fast prices are moving in the metropolitan, uh, they are starting to look at uh, regional areas as well. And um, 
this is where if you if you do your research well and uh, look at the employment nodes and take away the COVID filter, because eventually that will be taken away. That's where you need to be um, deciding and deciphering whether that mix in your portfolio is worthwhile or not. Right? The other thing that's also happening is that, as I mentioned earlier, the FOMO effect is still very much there. More so than ever because the mobility is starting to come back and people are rushing to get in. And um, equally importantly, the agents have now moved with technology, right? So what used to be, you know, giving you an in when someone's negotiating and you get in with your with your contract somewhat faster because you actually drove your contract in or you, you email the contract back in. Now everything's DocuSign. So a lot of the, if I can, if I can, Equate it to spending on a credit card, right? You don't actually feel the money going away when you're spending on the credit card. And my fear is that property is slowly getting towards that where you're signing digital contracts and all that. So the enormity of the debt that you're going to get into if you get it wrong is sort of lost on a lot of the punters out there. And this would be the new crisis that will be unfolding where, again, with the FOMO effect, the lower rates, the less properties on the market, that's certainly going to create an issue down the track. So if I come back to what's happening in the market here, and if you look at New South Wales, certainly there's some strong momentum still upwards in terms of growth. The um, disparity between houses and units is quite large from a 30.5% disparity between uh, median prices. It's now sitting at 58%. So there is a correction there to be had at some point in time uh, and the natural shift as you're starting to slowly see is towards these units as the houses become unaffordable. Right? But this is this is stock standard of, of the two large markets in Australia, the Melbourne market and the Sydney market. And Melbourne coming out of its lockdown, that will certainly also allow it to catch up to the accelerated growth that Sydney has had. So there, there's likely to be a spike of growth there as well. Yeah, so let's sort of go city by city and to point around sort of regional and metro, a lot of it. The one of the, the sort of key dynamics there is this lifestyle decisions, mm-hmm. which has really changed, which is a product of COVID. And I think that's going to be a again a structural thing, which is not going to really go away. I think we're now in this this zone where there's an acceptance around hybrid working and, and well, I think there's the question. Continue before before we continue with the market update. You've just triggered the question in my head back mm-hmm. to you. What are your thoughts? and your belief around the sea change, tree change to the regional areas and the exodus from the major cities to that, A, is it sustainable? And B, if it is or isn't, when do you see a bounce? Good question. Not sustainable is what I would say. Absolutely. Um, right now, I think it's a, it's a moment in time. And for a lot of people who are making those significant seeing tree change decisions, I'm talking moving beyond an hour and a half of a capital city, I think for a lot of people, it's going to come back and bite them and they're going to get hurt as a result of it. And what will manifest is buying at a peak of a market in a regional town and working out or realising that it's not for them for whatever reason that is and trying to replace those same dollars in a city location to try and get back in the market that they left. I think that's going to be a big issue for a lot of people uh, moving forward. When that will happen, give it a couple of years. Uh, I think you need the honeymoon will last for a period of time living in a a place where you typically would want to holiday. 
But when the realities of work, realities of change, realities of schools, realities of, of kids growing up in an area where there's not that much to do, uh, some of the challenges and complications around that, there's going to be a flight back to city locations moving forward. Yes, and we need to remember, you know, my view, Steve, got to put things into perspective that everyone gets carried away with this whole notion of, of flexible work. Um, that's great if you work in a, a role which is more knowledge working type economy where your job is to sit in front of a computer and, and press keys on a keyboard or, or talk over a microphone like we're doing right now. That's some people. That's not all people or most people. Most people still need to use their hands to do their job in an area which is conducive for conducting business. I'm talking factories. I'm talking hospitals. I'm talking airports. I'm talking all these locations where jobs actually happen. So it's a bastion of the few, I think, the opportunity to to work remotely and or in a hybrid environment. However, it seems to absorb everyone's mindset that that's the way it is right now. So my view, be careful about it. Be careful what you wish for when it comes to shifting, even if, you know, even that, that's from an owner-occupier point of view, but even chasing for an investment point of view, maybe there's a little bit more sustainability around that because if you buy in one of these towns as an investment property, you're probably going to get people who are chasing their dreams backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. So there'll probably be a need for at least some sort of rental accommodation. If that doesn't work, no doubt you can let it out as holiday rental. So that's my view, Steve. I think mm. it's a very complicated scenario and a lot of people are probably making decisions right now, which they will probably regret into the future. And there's going to be financial consequences as a result of it. Bit hard. I think, yeah. Look, I think what you've done is read my blog word for word. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great, great mind, Steve. You yeah, know? must be, must be. No, look, I agree. And the reason I ask that question is, is because you know, if we are doing a market update and we do do capital cities, well, then we need to do the regional areas as well. And I believe some regional areas will stay strong. Mm. but it comes down to the definition of regional at the same time. I think some areas are going to be a hard luck story potentially in your publications in the years to come, yeah. and that that cycle will rotate once again. Trigger points are different, but it'll be the same news story at the end of the day in some of these areas, mm. And but as I said, some will be sustainable. Yeah. The big, big capitals which have diversified economies, and 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 the same COVID is largely relevant in this equation, Steve. It's it's those regional areas which we've spoken about for many years, which have diversified economies. Mm-hmm. If anything, this is just going to accelerate those rural areas advancements to where it would have gone. And I think of places like Orange or your Bathurst of the world in, in New South Wales, where it's got those inherent capabilities of diversification. It's got to be attracting more people out there, potentially looking for lifestyle changes. The biggest winners out of this are those locals that have lived in these areas for many, many years and have just Correct. seen property values just rocket. I reckon yeah. a lot of them are probably sitting and going, hey, you're going to sell, sell my property to some stupid Sydney cider or, or Melbourne yeah. and uh, go, and, go and retire down to the south coast somewhere with twice as much money in my back pocket than what I would have had. They're the biggest winners. Yeah, and look, you know, for those that don't understand data or interpret it correctly, those types of areas that you're referring to will show an annualised average growth because of the last few years, larger than what it really, you know, mm. really is. You know, I bought it at 100, now it's worth you know, 10 million. It's because of this madness that's happened over the last couple of years. Now, but having said that, there are, once again, to stress, there are some areas that have always been good. They've just had higher rates of growth in these regional areas over the last couple of years. But there will be some sad, sad losers uh, as future well, rolls the, out. These areas would have had 
traditionally tech covered away, there was still would have been good areas to invest in because of all the employment nodes and the infrastructure, right? Yeah. Well, that's the important thing. Population growth is not a precursor to growth. Yeah. Jobs. You need jobs. And you can have all growth in the world, but no jobs, and you'll have no asset growth or relevant asset growth growth it's, as well. It's a super complicated scenario and we'll see it play out. You know, this is argument, Steve, of if you can work remotely, as in not from a a node where you share some sort of office or some sort of environment where people work, your job can be offshored pretty quickly as well, right? So I reckon they're talking about they're talking about now this idea uh, for those business owners out there of the great resignation come uh, early next year when everyone comes back in the office after quite a no one's wanted to really sort of shift too much during this period of time. I just saw some stats then on a thing I was reading before coming on have a chat with you guys. Well, over 50% of all Australians are going to be looking for a new or different job next year. Uh, that's mm. what the stats are saying right now. And what they're looking for is flexibility. What they're looking for is, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I think if you can apply that as a business owner, you should be able to re- keep and retain your people. But, you know, for those people sitting out there at the end of a node, some sort of um, commercial economic node is connected with the business, just be very careful. I'd be making decisions around the certainty or security of your job now, things change. Yeah. It's a tough yeah. one. So, well, what so we the, haven't... Movement, the movement of people this new year would be a lot more accentuated because of people making those decisions. Uh, and I suppose um, more than likely, we are likely to see going into the Christmas period, uh, it would be unlike other Christmases where the market actually slows down. It may be that the key areas will start to accelerate because people that have time off and then actually with the mobility going to look at properties and, and buying the investments, buying the new principal place of residence, or even uh, uprooting life and moving interstate, right? So uh, these are things that we need to look towards and, and um, potentially ignore that spike and come back to, okay, what's the normality? And that should help make our investment decisions. And, and- well, it depends on whether you're a speculator or an investor. Yeah. Yeah, if you're, if you're two very different things, there's another podcast for us. Let's, let's mark well, that. So speculation versus property so, investment. But before we go on, one of the things that we still haven't talked about, or we haven't mentioned, I should say, is with the federal and state governments jockeying for who gets the lion's share of you know, open borders, mm. international borders for that matter. Now, some of the premiers have said, you know, come one, come all, we'll have you all. And uh, the federal government has said, well, hang on, let's take just, it easy. <laughs> take it easy. Let's just think this through and how we're going to do it. But nonetheless, that, and the federal government's slated this probably three, four months ago now, is we need massive amounts of immigration into this country. Mm-hmm. Now, whether that's an open door policy where the volume just flows through a narrow narrow channel into, into Australia or whether it's going to be more about a, a staged event and a safer way to get people here in in terms of the numbers ultimately it'll have the same effect just you know one bit may be a little bit more delayed and that is pressure on accommodation Mm. in what are typically some undersupplied areas already and if we if we roll that up with what potentially APRA is doing and this is whilst it's not a market update it's things that people should be considering now for maybe a year's market update uh, and how it can change so if APRA is lending policies well, the, the first one, uh, the lever 0.5%, which was more of a psychological play, uh, as we've talked about before. Potentially, there might be another one. So reduced capacity for investors to invest, even though the intent will be there, the ability may not be as much as before. 
they retreat from the market because they're made to. You've got the the owner occupier that was now priced out, so they've become a rent vester. Then you've got population growth externally from external resources coming in or avenues coming into your localized cities in what is potentially undersupplied, no investors in the market to supply accommodation, and we'll start to see those rents amplify on top of what they already are. So the government and the banking system uh, regulator is in a damned if they do and damned if they don't position at the end of the day. And that is ultimately going to shape the markets and it's going to shape where people live in combination with jobs. And that's what we should be looking forward to or looking through to rather than knee-jerk reactions about what's happening now. And again, it just lends to the commentary around how how complex and multifaceted this current market is. And I, and I wanted to sort of chat about all the different capital city markets, but I, th- I think well, let's pause that for next month, November, as, as Australia gets ready for summer. And I think you're going to get a very different market this year, Vic, uh, over that Christie period where Often real estate sort of goes on pause, but I think you're going to see like a, a belated spring selling season. It's going to be a, a summer selling season. But to that point, and, and you mentioned it, Steve, uh, getting your checkbook out. I remember, I remember sitting there, and you would, you guys would have done this as well, where you would rock up at an auction with a checkbook in your back pocket, uh, mm. ready, to, ready to write out if you were successful a 025 percent uh, check. Um, uh, we've done some really good buying uh, in that period, running up to to, to Chrissy. So considering where we are right now and you've got low stock, depending where you are, low-ish stock or low good stock out there, uh, there's probably a lot of units for sale. You've got low stock, a lot of buyers, still cheap money, uh, finance, people got pre-approvals ready to go, whether they stack up under the new APRA assessments, who knows, it's a challenge itself in it. Is it going to be a good time to be investing in real estate over this period? And, and if you are, where should you be having your checkbook ready to roll? Uh, Victor, Look, Steve, for you to kick off? Yeah, the best time is yesterday, mm-hmm. always. Um, doesn't matter what the market's doing. There's always an opportunity, up, down, sideways, yeah, whatever it may be. I think it more comes around making sure that you're choosing investment grade, not investment stock, mm-hmm. and playing within your own thresholds and capacities. Yeah, Victor mentioned earlier on about yeah, those people that need to touch it, feel it, you know, kick the wheels, so to speak. There's always going to be a portion of those those people. That's just human nature. And they they potentially will enter the market now, or if they're that way inclined, they might also say, well, well I've missed the big spurt of growth is now really the best time to get into the market. In and around Christmas, though, I'm I'm yet to think there'll be any change in terms of the buying patterns. You know, people have got a bit of mobility now, and so we may see stock on the market, but we also may see people say, you know what, I'm just going to put buying on hold. It's a crazy market. I can get to Queensland. I can get to Perth. I can get to Tassie, South Australia, wherever it may be. I'm going to do that. Take some holidays and buy in the middle of yeah. the year. Well, just as I get back from you know holidays, so let's call mm. it late January. But ultimately, I don't think there's going to be much of a change between now and January in terms of the tempo of the yeah. market. That's, 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 a, that's a really good point, Vic. Well, what is the tempo of the market? And and we've only had now one week in New South Wales of people back to auctions. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I saw some of the coverage on the television over the weekend, people out in droves. But give me some sense for the tempo of the market. Is it is it beating? Is it beating at a, a million beats per minute or is it sort of just got a steady sort no, of flow? It is, it is beating 
pretty steadily. Right? So it's not a slow beat in that sense. So um, one of the things that the agents were anticipating that with, with mobility returning, that they'll have a whole heap of people going through open homes. That's actually, in, in most of the agents that I'm talking to, this actually hasn't happened. People are still comfortable doing things online now. Uh, and it's only after they've, they've negotiated, they're starting to uh, you know, wanting to see the property physically. Right? But these are your seasoned investors, the seasoned buyers. But your, uh, your um, um, number of properties and the number of buyers is still not matching, right? So there is still an undersupply of properties uh, coming onto the market as opposed to the number of people that are buying. There's also that added uh, urgency with people with expiring finance uh, so that they don't get caught up with the new um, assessment rates. Uh, if they've got a long enough um, pre-approval. Mm. Uh, and so they are urgently trying to get in the market. And for some, given the low interest rate, they're not averse to paying 20, 30, 40K more than what someone else is willing to pay just to get into the market. And whilst that is the market at the moment, we don't want to be unnecessarily paying too high a price. But equally importantly, we want to be resetting our expectation from the pre-COVID days to what the market is now, mm. knowing that prices really come down significantly. And if you look at it over the long term, provided you've bought in good fundamental areas with good employment, good infrastructure, good demographics, um, over the long term, it just works out. Well, I never thought we'd sort of be talking about all these different moving parts in a market uh, with the COVID overlay. A lot of, there's a lot of similarities, a lot of commonalities with this market versus other markets, but there is a bit of an X factor. I think there's always sort of, that. I think there's always some many, many, yeah, many moving parts. To, yeah, mm. COVID, had, to be fair, though, has added a few different uh, anomalies around human nature mm. and how it's going to roll out. Uh, but there's always the moving parts. And as, as I said, I don't know if it was another podcast, the, the data is one thing, which is very, very important, but now's as good as example as ever is trying to identify the trends first that become the data. Yeah. And COVID has highlighted that, you know, a, a million times over. Well, that's when art meets numbers, right? Um, Correct. You know, and, and and the best investors can telegraph what the data is going to be showing in three, six months' time. But, uh, gents, I've, I've really enjoyed today. We've actually gone quite long there. Um, so next month, tune in. Uh, we're going to do a deep dive into all the different markets and how you should be framing and shaping buying decisions at the moment. Are you guys back on a plane? When are you next on a plane? You must be getting ready to head out to... Yeah. You can't really go to many places. You can go uh, internationally before you can go in a state. Yeah, I know. No, I, like I'm getting itchy feet. I yeah, get to see the rest of the team around the country face to face. But mm. it's um, where's your yeah, first folks, flight going to be? Where are you going to go? Queens, I think I'd go to Queensland just to yeah. see yeah, yeah, team members and family, and then mm. I'd probably I don't know West Coast and back to Melbourne do the big lap. Yeah, sounds pretty good, Vic. Same. Yeah, pretty much the same. Yeah. Oh, maybe we can do. Uh, we can make an excuse to find a Friday afternoon to do this somewhere on a beach in Queensland. Uh, yeah, we call it the On, on the Road podcast. On the Road. Maybe we can do that. Maybe we can go and check out one of these properties that we've got up in Brisbane. We can have a look around that and uh, do it live. Uh, yeah, I, I think it would be more along the line. He wants us to help him do a reno is what he wants. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Don't fall for it, mate. Don't fall for it. Yeah, stranger things happen. Gentlemen, thanks so much. That's Victor Kumar and Steve Waters. Pleasure. Rick is the right property group, uh, investing insights, the right property group. Remember, Victor, where do we go if we want more info from you guys? 
But reach us, reach us to us on our digital platforms, our website or our, our Facebook page and send us a message. And um, uh, Melissa from our office will uh, be in touch with you to explain our services and set up a time for um, a chat with other myself or Steve. Excellent. I uh, hope you enjoy that, everyone. Uh, thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next time. Until then, bye-bye. The information featured in this podcast is general in nature, does not take into consideration your financial situation or individual needs, and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property, or financial planning decision, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you.